Welcome to our Unshakable series. Today is our second week of this series, and last week, Pastor Chris uh, began with this idea that Christian walk that is based on the rock of Jesus Christ, the foundation on the rock of Jesus Christ. And I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you have not heard and listened to it, you can go back and listen to it. I highly recommend it. Uh, but before I do, we are uh, so thrilled that we actually have more than 170 uh, members, people that visit us, decide to take the Purple Book Challenge. Our, our 12 weeks, 12 course uh, laying a foundation work uh, we want to highly recommend, if you have not taken the challenge, it's not too late, you can still register. Uh, join us. Join us as we lay the good solid foundation together as a church. And we don't want you to miss out, and we always believe. It doesn't matter if you are mature in faith, or you're just starting out, or you just don't know where to even begin. I believe that laying a foundation is every Christian's work for the rest of your life. It doesn't matter when, we all have to check if our foundation are solid, okay? So I want to challenge you with this, and, and, and after the service, we will talk a little bit about how you can be part of this challenge, and I recommend you to do so, okay? City Life Group, we have kicked off our City Life Group. We are meeting all over the city, and one way we do community is through the City Life Groups, and we are uh, kicked off our meetings all throughout the city and whatnot. You can find out more information. I'll talk to Kenny. Uh, he is our uh, director of mission who will be able to give you more information about where we meet, what time. Some of them are Zoom meeting, I still believe, but we are meeting all over the city. We recommend you to be part of the community because, and here's the thing, Christianity was never meant to be done alone. I'll say it again. Christianity was never meant to be done alone. There's a reason why we see the church, early church. It starts with a group. It just didn't start with the one disciple just making all the move. It's an entire collective faith community coming together, building lives together, doing the life together, doing the community, studying the Word of God, discovering the Word of God, and discovering who God is together. I encourage you to join our community groups all over the city. And lastly, we have our City Life Starter. City Life Starter is our own uh, devotional. So we have daily devotional that we uh, do every day. Uh, you can actually get our devotional online, or if you don't have an app, you can actually open it online. So follow us. We have some great, great writers in our church. Uh, it's all in-house, by the way. All the writers are in-house. Uh, we have a rocket scientist, which I proudly, proudly say it. Literal rocket scientist, right? <laughs> writing the, one of the devotion. And we also have uh, one of the finest. Uh, I can't mention his name. I said it in the beginning. I can't mention it. He's one of the best lawyers in this country. Also writing the, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the devotional. So I highly recommend you to do so. Check it out. Uh, and follow along with us because we are engaging the entire, not only the Sunday service, but the City Life groups and the devotional. You're all linked together. So join us as we do these things together, okay? Okay? All right, okay. This morning, we are going to um, go straight into Scripture. I don't have that much time. If you open your Bible this morning to Gospel of John, chapter 3. Gospel of John, chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, the Scripture is going to be on the screen behind me, and you can follow along. John, chapter 3. 
There was a man of Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? How can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where, it, or from the where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most surely I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if, you, if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Why do we like stories? Why do we like a good movie? Why do we spend 20, 30, 40, and some of you, $50, going to a movies to watch a two-hour movie, or sometimes three? Why? Because we are geared towards stories. We would like, as a humans, like to put ourselves in the stories. We love the story of redemption, do we? We love the different type of stories where the heroes go on a journey, where they will go into the adventure, and they will have a, a, a just bliss moment of the highs, enjoying life, things are going perfect, but it goes downhill. And he goes to the place that is in despair, the fall and, and difficulties of life. And we see that and we can somehow relate because we also go through the seasons of our life where there are things that are not perfect. And because we can now relate with the story, we are hoping that redemption may come. There's no story that is popular that you will say, well, you know, that's where the story ends. You watch the movie. 
is they're at the most bottom of the bottom in the despair, and then movie ends. You're going to be like, I want my money back. <laughs> How could you end a story like this and leave these poor people that you've been relating and leave you with a hopelessness and despair? And we'll consider that a bad movie, right? But we are longing for the story of redemption. We want to see people make it. And that is within us. I believe that God has placed this story of redemption in our heart. That when we see the story of redemption, we are excited. There's something that drives us when we hear the story. Someone that's been really, really bad, in a bad place, and all of a sudden... Things work out. And you leave the movie theater with, okay, that's a good movie, right? It's not a bad movie. I mean, think about it. It is in us. We love good story, especially the story of redemption. Bible also has a story. It is a story of God's creation. It is a story of God's way to redeem the things that are broken. And the story ends well. There is a hero's journey where you feel as if nothing will work out. For thousands of years, you see the ups and downs of the Old Testament. People, God will choose people, especially Israel, but they will sin against God, and they will go down in despair, and they'll cry out to God, God will redeem them and restore them, only to repeat this cycle again over and over and over until story change. And that story changes when Son of God enters the scene. Creation, the entire grand narrative of the Bible is this. It is creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. Creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. So let's talk a little bit about these four elements. First, creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was good. And we see in this creation account, we see God creating from nothing the void into the things to existence. And every time he creates, it is considered good. Whenever he creates the land, it is considered good. When he creates creatures, he says it is good. When he creates water, sky, elements, mountains, everything that God creates in the beginning is good. And how do we define good without the creator defining good? That is the issue of today. I feel like one of the greatest struggle of the humanity is us trying to determine what is good and what is bad. 
Every issue, it boils down to these two things. But the question comes back to who decides? By what standard? Who gets to choose good and evil? In the beginning, God. The story of God begins with God as a loving creator of all things. Humanity is the pinnacle of creator's work made in his likeness and created for relationship with God and fellow humanity. It is a picture of paradise. Humanity enjoying unhindered fellowship with God, exercising loving dominion over all God's creation, working to cultivate the steward creation and notable absence of evil and suffering. In the beginning, there was no evil. There is no suffering. There's no such thing. The idea of evil doesn't exist when God creates everything that is good. As created beings, we are intended to depend upon our creator for life and meaning in the world. Tragically, paradise didn't last long, which leads to the next element, which is the fall. Although Adam and Eve had complete freedom to trust God, they chose to disobey him, violating humanity's relationship with God. Through God's design, Adam represents all humanity. Therefore, Adam's sin was a colossal fall as the trespass of one led to condemnation for all. As a result, sin entered the heart and hearts of humanity, making us rebellious toward God to our very core. Now, we run and hide from God because our nature is more inclined toward evil than good. Towards darkness than light. Sin also entered creation as a whole, corrupting all that God created for us to enjoy. We forfeited our harmonious relationship with creation as God cursed all that he entrusted us to steward. We have lost all ability to save ourselves from this corrupt condition and cannot find our way back to God. Instead of enjoying his holy pleasure, we now face his holy judgment and wrath. In short, we are utterly hopeless and helpless in our fallen condition. God would have been perfectly justified to end the story there. But we underestimate just how good and merciful God is. The story continues. Redemption. Thankfully, God set his plan of redemption in motion. Helpless to find our way back to him, he came to find, save, and deliver us from sin and judgment. He did this by sending his son, Jesus. Jesus lived the life of obedience we could not live and died a death 
we should have died for our sin and guilt. Jesus turned the wrath and judgment of God away from us and unto himself. In doing so, Jesus completely satisfied God's holy standard on our behalf and showed God's love for us in that while we were still sinners, according to Scripture, Christ died for us. Our response to Jesus is to wholeheartedly believe in him, turn from or repent from our sins, and put the full weight of our trust in him for our salvation. For God so loved the world, as we have read, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. When we do this in faith, God completely forgives us and restores us to right relationship with him again. Redemption. This is God's story of his unfathomable love and pursuit of us. All of us. Even the worst of us. So that through Jesus, we might find our way back to him. But that's not all. The story continues. And the final stage is the restoration. This final chapter is being written today. If you are itching to know how it turns out, just read the last two chapters of the story in Revelation 21 and 22. It's a pretty sweet ending. God's plan of redemption and complete restoration, he set in motion what Jesus is finally going to be fulfilled. God will gloriously wrap up history, restoring all things by creating a new heaven and new earth for all God's people to dwell with him forever, as it was always meant to be. In Revelation 21, verse 1, Then I saw a new heaven and new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw a holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of the heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. We are living in a day where the one of the stage has been fulfilled. 
And this continuation of the story of the redemption is where you and I are here. Theologians call it already not yet. Christ has came already, and so that this is a period of a redemption. Not yet, the kingdom has not fully consummated or restored in full. And our hope is that one day that we will see the glory of God being fulfilled and in, in our time or the next, we will see the glory of God fulfilled. And that's the eternal hope that we have in God. If you think about the story of Israel in the Old Testament, you see God chose specific group of people to make covenant with them in order that they, he may set them apart. The goal of it all is in Genesis chapter 12, God chose Abraham. And why did God chose Abraham? So that all the nations through him will be blessed. The very reason why this story is a continuation from the Old Testament to the New is that God's purpose is being fulfilled for thousands of years. And for you, our in-lifetime, we have a certain period of time that you and I live. We don't get to see the grand picture. A lot of times we're so concerned with ourselves now, especially this generation, everything has to be now, everything has to be immediate, everything has to be done fast. And sometimes we forget that there is a bigger story that is taking place, and that story is being fulfilled. It is. You are part of that story. See, in a way, when we think about the story, what story are we talking of? It's a story of God. And you and I are included in that story. And that's a good news, that we are part of his story. So today's text is about interaction between Nicodemus and Jesus. So let's go to the text. In John 3, it begins with, there was a man of Pharisee named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And scholars believe that he was one of the Sanhedrin, which is a 71 religious leader that actually carries out the law of that time. And these are collection of religious leaders that come together to talk about the law, how to observe it, how to punish people that breaks the law, so Nicodemus was not just everyday in person. He was very high in his position. He was very important in Judaism at that time. But scripture also gives us a little bit more detail about Nicodemus. That he was a Pharisee. He was a Pharisee. Also later on we see that he was the teacher of the law. And so there is a certain sense that he is an expert he is someone that knows the law really well. But oddly, he comes to Jesus. Why did he come to Jesus? And he begins, say it this way. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. What 
did Nicodemus actually see? Text doesn't tell us. A previous chapter might give us a little sign of what Nicodemus actually saw. There is an instance in John 2 that Jesus enters the temple. And as he's entering the temple, he sees people selling livestock, money changers. They're doing businesses in the temple court. And the zeal of the Lord came up on Christ, and he started overturning the table. I'm pretty sure it was pretty dramatic. It was not something that, hey, would you please move your stuff outside? You know, maybe we should. You know, he's not having a conversation with these people. He walks in, he sees, he goes, hey. And people are making crazy things. What? Why are you doing that? And Jesus says, my house was called to be a house of all Nations, but you have made the robbers then. This action of Jesus, maybe, maybe, I wasn't there. Maybe Nicodemus was also there, seeing this event being unfold. Now, he's a teacher of the law. He knows the law well. He knows what's supposed to be in there and not be in there. Could it be, just maybe, This is something that he wanted to do, but he didn't have the courage to do so. We're talking about signs. We're talking about actionable things that he actually witnessed that motivated him, that moved him in such a way to come to Jesus, which was a controversial figure, by the way. For you to be a very noble rabbi of a Sanhedrin high court rolling with a high priest, to be able to humble himself to come to this Galilean. He did not have the noble robe of the Pharisee and the high priest with a lofty hat. (laughs) Not a whole thing to say about that one. But he is just like regular people. But what is it that moved Nicodemus in such a way to come to him. But he comes at night, comes secretly. And we know that there were a group of people that actually were searching to know who Jesus was. Simple, really. It says, Rabbi, we know. Who is we? Who are we talking about? There were secret believers that saw Jesus and say, that must be the Messiah. There's something different. So Nicodemus was sent to investigate. This is exciting. And he comes with a give his noble speech, you must be from God. No one can do this. I'm very, uh, he's hyping him up, right? But what does Jesus say? He does not play any games here. He goes straight into the matter at hand. He says, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, 
he cannot see the kingdom of God. He gives the entire lesson of being born again. That this born again is not a physical birth, but it is a spiritual birth. Every individual, old to young, seasoned or unseasoned, must be born again. Only because you grew up in church does not mean you are born again. Only because you know about the Bible, you can memorize the entire Bible, does not mean you are born again. It is a work of God. It is a power of God manifesting through the Spirit of God in the lives of people. I cannot convince you to believe. No one can convince you to believe. It has to be the work of God through the power of God, through the Spirit of God, that person is born again. The spiritual birth is only by, done by God and Him alone. We are just a mouthpiece. We are instruments of God's working, but we don't save anyone. I don't save you. No man can save you. There's only one who can save, and that is God himself. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, the authority that Jesus is using is fascinating. It's so refreshing. Because at that time, the Judaism worked this way. You cannot share anything. You have to call somebody else. Hear what I'm saying. You have to actually have to have a two witnesses to prove your point. So when you're having debates, this is how we go. Well, what do you think about the matter of this? Well, according to this person, and according to that person said this. So even Judaism today, if you go off to some rabbi, religious guy with a full black suit with a hat and everything, with a curly hair, you ask them a question, what do you think about this spiritual matter? And this is what they will say. Well, if he is a good Jew, of course. He will say, according to Rabbi Akiva, according to Rabbi Abraham, said this. It is never, let me tell you how it is. And so it is a radical statement when we see when Jesus says most assuredly, or in Hebrew, amen, amen, I say to you. He is exercising the authority that can only be matched with God. I don't think you heard it. When he said, amen, amen, I say to you, he is using, he is positioning himself as the authority of God. In John chapter 1, we see this in the beginning is the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. By the word, things were created. It's that same authority that Jesus is exercising here when he says, I say to you. I say to you. Not some different rabbi, not some different thought. I say to you. 
I feel like what Jesus is doing with Nicodemus is he wants to reveal himself in full, but he doesn't. See, Nicodemus represents some of us, the intellectuals. Nicodemus represents those searchers that are asking hard questions. And I want to say this to you today. If you have not placed your faith in Christ in full, but you are asking questions, you are asking, you are searching, you can ask. We serve a God that is bigger. He has answer. But most importantly, he can handle your question. The creator of the universe can handle your question. So we do not doubt, we do not question in a way that we question this character. But we see, we go and say, God, how about this? And the Holy Spirit reveals the answer through the scripture, through the revelation. Authority of God. In verse 5, Jesus again, most assuredly I say to you, he will say three times on this conversation, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, many theologians and many scholars would put this as a water, which means, okay, it must be the baptism. And so I agree. In some level, it is a symbol of a baptism. You have to be born of water. But I will also argue that the following chapter, which is chapter 4, Jesus encounter Samaritan woman. I encourage you to go home and read chapter 3 and chapter 4 parallel. Look into the, the, the conversation, the language that is being used. But one thing that in chapter 4 of John is mentioning of the water. And Jesus say, if you drink this water, he's talking about the Jacob's well, and that was there in Samaria, Sikar, this word it is. You drink this water, you will thirst again, but the water that I shall give him or her, you'll never thirst. What kind of water is this that you will never have to thirst again? It's the water, it's the living water of Christ. You must be born again. Spiritual birth in the life of Christian is a journey. It's a hero's journey at that. Everyone is on the path. I don't know your story. I know some of your stories. But you're all, you all have story of how God has brought you here. Doesn't matter where you're from. Doesn't matter your color of your skin. Doesn't matter your education background, social economic status. It doesn't really matter. God has brought you to a certain place in his story. And you are part of his story, whether you like it or not. You must be born again. I'm going to pass forward in a little bit and go to verse 14. Remember, we're still talking about the Nicodemus and Jesus, okay? The interaction. And after going back and forth about understanding him trying to ask the right question, 
and try to get the answer and try to understand who Jesus is. Nicodemus is a searcher. He's searching. He's constantly asking. He wants to know. He wants to know about the kingdom of God, what Jesus said, who Jesus was. And then final call. I believe this is a sign that he gives to Nicodemus. And he says in verse 14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. In Numbers 21, this incident happened where there were children of Israel was in the wilderness, and there were snakes, serpents, and they were biting Israelites. And people were hurt, and people were dying, and, and Moses was called to do something. He says, make a statue of a snake and put him on the pole and put him on the hill. And whoever is bitten, all they are supposed to do is just look up and see the snake that's on the pole and they were healed and restored. Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. I believe for Nicodemus and Nicodemus alone, the ball dropped when he saw the broken body crucified Christ on the cross. It is only then I believe Nicodemus fully grasped who Jesus truly was. Because that's what we see. The secret believer is a secret no more. Pharisee, Sanhedrin, high official will go along with Joseph de Arimathea to get the body of Jesus on the cross, which means he has to be unclean. Because if he is high priest in the time of a Passover when he has to actually perform a lot of duties, of religious duties, if you even go near or touch the dead body, you're unclean. What kind of faith that Nicodemus will have that he will go to the body of Christ to get the body and bury him? I believe that it is a journey that all, every single one of us has to go through. I don't know about where you are, whether you are intellectual, the searching right now, trying to find if the Jesus is the way. It's okay. God can handle your question. Ask away because God cares for you. John 3 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have the everlasting life. Gospel is a good news. It's a good news that God had made the way. See, you and I can save ourselves. God had to make a way for us to be reunited and have a relationship with God. Leon Morris, in his book, Gospel of John, he says this way, it is distinctively Christian idea that God's love is wide enough to embrace all people. His love is not confined to any national group or spiritual elite. It is a love that proceeds from the fact that he is love. It is his nature to love. He loves people because he is the kind of God he is. John tells us that his love is shown in the gift 
of His Son. The atonement proceeds from the loving heart of God. His love is not a vague, sentimental feeling, but a love that caused God gave what was most dear to Him. John Piper said it this way, the best news of the Christian gospel is that the supremely glorious creator of the universe has acted in Jesus Christ's death and resurrection to remove every obstacle between us and himself so that we may find everlasting joy in seeing and savoring his infinite beauty. In City of Houston, this is how we define the gospel. The gospel is the good news that God became man in Jesus Christ. He lived the life we should have lived and died the death we should have died in our place. On the third day after his death and burial, he rose from the dead, proving that he is the Son of God and offering the gift of salvation to all who repent and believe the gospel. I would like to end with the word of St. Augustine of Hippo. He said it this way. To fall in love with God is the greatest romance. To seek Him, the greatest adventure. To find Him, the greatest human achievement. You are part of His story. Story of redemption and restoration. The question is, what stops you? from following this loving God who have made the way for us to have an eternal relationship with Him. Let us pray. Father, I just thank You. Thank You for making the way through Your Son, Jesus. Lord, I pray this morning for those who do not know You, that do not have a relationship with you, God. Lord, I pray for the spiritual birth to happen, that the power of God, by the Spirit of God, that they will know you. I pray for intellectuals like Nicodemus here today. I pray for the revelation of you, that the power will manifest that they will know you and the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your suffering. And Lord, I pray for those who have placed their faith and complete trust in Christ. I pray that Lord, you strengthen them, that you will empower them to share the good news to their neighbors, their friends, their family, their classmates, their coworkers, Empower them afresh, O oh God. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.